But today, uh, we are going to, 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 to finish talking about this finance thing. Um, and, and because honestly, there are many of us that need to make some significant financial changes in, in our lives. Some of you, like you're sick and tired of struggling. And listen, and the good news is that the Bible actually speaks a lot about our finances. Uh, it talks more about our finances than it does nearly any other subject in all, in all of Scripture. And, and there's some powerful, life-changing truth that's found in the Scripture that, that will help us to make some changes. And we've been looking at really four big truths throughout this series, um, and I just want to go over those again. Week number one, we talked about less is more. Everybody say less is more. Like, yeah, you'll remember that better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with a toil and chasing after the wind. Uh, week number two, uh, we talked about stress is bad. Financial stress is bad. Last week, we talked about giving is good, that it's more blessed to give than it is to, to receive. And today, we're going to talk about tomorrow. Like, like today, that's what, what I want to do. I want to talk about a very important theme that, that tomorrow matters. Um, and that's why I went through that whole big thing. It's like tomorrow matters for us as, as a church and as a staff. That's why we were planning out, and we're planned out uh, all the way. I've got sermons planned out through Easter now because tomorrow matters. And what I preach about next week is going to matter in, in, in those lives because tomorrow really does matter. And I was thinking about this um, because sometime, and, and I think it's in July and August, uh, the elders and staff and I are going to be reading a book uh, about leadership of the next generation. And so as I was reading that book and I was thinking about um, the, the next generation and these millennials that are around, like we hear a lot of bad things about millennials. Like, that, like man, people talk awful about you guys that, that are millennials. Um, but like I, I'm... I happen to be more, and some of this will surprise some of you, like I happen to be more optimistic about the next generation. Like, like I do, like I think, like I think that, that this millennial generation is going to do some amazing things in, in the church and in the kingdom of God, and, and that through them, like we're going to see uh, people coming to Christ like we've never seen before. But there is an issue of me that, that's very concerning, and, and it's not just for millennials, it's for, for all of us, but but specifically for millennials, because it's all that they've ever known. Like they were kind of just, they've been born into this and they're so conditioned to it um, that it's gonna be hard to break and that is this instant gratification. Like it's difficult to think about the future when all you can think about is right now. Because all of us, all of us, and I don't care how old you are, all of us have been spoiled with the now. Like, I want it now, I got to have it now, and especially the emerging generation, because that's all that's been poured into your life. For example, in my life, if you're a good friend and I send you a text message, I honestly expect to see bubbles responding pretty quickly. Well, like I do. Like, I want you to know that you're reading my text and that you're getting back to me quickly. Why? Because we're good friends. Like, if I'm streaming a video on, on Netflix or a series on Netflix, like, I don't want it to buffer. Like, I want it now. Or if I'm watching my favorite show, guess what? I don't want to wait until next week for, for the, the next episode of my show. I want it to just play right on the week, too. Like, right now, like, on two, like I'm miserable because I'm watching Oak Island again, and I have to wait till next week to see that they don't find anything. Like, it's amazing. 
And I feel like and I'm just entrenched with this show that they don't find anything with. Like, it's, it's awesome. But, but I always want it to roll immediately to my next show. Like, I, I want it now. If I'm ordering something on my phone from Amazon, I want free shipping, and I want it in two days. Like, it'd be better if it'd be here right now. Like, we've been so conditioned to want things now that it's really difficult for so many people to actually think about tomorrow. In fact, one of the places that we see this show up, and we see it in so many places in our relationships, like we see it in the, in the way that we take care of our, our bodies or, or we don't take care of our bodies. But perhaps one of the, the most obvious places we see this mindset today is, is when it comes to finances, when it comes to, to money. In fact, according to, to an article that was in CNN, 76% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 76%. So if you're sitting and there's four people in your row, three of them will not be able to make a, a payment this month if they lose their job. Three out of four people are living paycheck to paycheck. And I just want to say for a moment that, man, I understand that there are some people, like for some of you, like that is just an accomplishment in itself. Maybe you're a single parent and, and you're raising a couple of kids and you've got a college degree maybe, but nobody's hiring in that field. Um, and, and you're doing good just to put food on the table. Again, I don't want to heap guilt on, on so many people that are actually doing their very best and, and they're working hard, sometimes even, even two jobs. Because there's a lot of people like that. But let's be really honest. The vast majority of people listening to this message the, the vast majority of, uh, of people, like, you don't have to live that way. The problem is we have a today-centered mindset, and we're not actually being wise. Tomorrow matters. And when we recognize that tomorrow matters, what will we do? Like, it'll change the way that we live today. When we recognize that, that tomorrow matters, it'll change the way that we handle money today. When we recognize tomorrow matters, it'll change the way that, that, that we live and relate with people today. In fact, I want to show you a couple of verses and a parable uh, from the scriptures that really in, illustrate this principle that tomorrow matters. Proverbs 21, verse 20 says this, the wise have wealth and luxury, but sp fools spend whatever they get. In the Hebrew language, do you know how that's literally translated? In the Hebrew language, it says they live paycheck to paycheck. Not really. I may have made that up. But it sounded good. Um, but they, they spend everything they get. The wise have some good things. They have some wealth and they have some luxury. But fools, they spend it all. Then in Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 8, and this verse kind of makes me laugh. It's, it's almost like Solomon is being a little bit of a, a smart aleck. Um, he's got a little edge to him. He says this. He says, go to the ant. You sluggard. Like, I just want to call somebody a sluggard. Like, I, I don't want to be called a sluggard, but, but I'd love to call somebody that. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider his ways and be wise. And then it says this. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers food at the harvest. What does the ant know? The ant knows that tomorrow matters, knows that, that winter's coming. And I also want to talk about a parable that's found in Matthew chapter 25, and it's a familiar parable to, to probably most of us, um, and it's the, the parable of the talents. 
And a talent was a, a measure of money. Some versions would say that the master gave out five bags of gold to one and two bags of gold to one and one bag of gold. Most of us know it as, as talents. So the master, like he gave these out and after a long time he came back and when the one that had five, he comes back, he had multiplied it by investing it wisely. The guy who had two bags of money, he, he multiplied it by investing it wisely. But the guy with one bag, though, he buried it and he didn't do anything with it. He didn't have any concern for tomorrow. He played it safe. He just kind of put it aside so that this, it's all I need. What did the master say? Here's what the master said. He said this. He said, whoever is faithful with a little will be blessed with more. So you've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of, of many things. And he said that to the guy that had five and multiplied it. He said that to the guy who had two and multiplied it. But then what did he say to, to the one who had one? He called him a wicked and lazy servant. Not just lazy, but wicked. You didn't think about tomorrow. You weren't wise with what I trusted you with. You're not only a sluggard, just got my word in there. You're not only lazy, but you're wicked. The faithful one multiplies what they have and can be trusted with more. And I want to talk about something that some people are like, oh, I can't believe we're talking about that in, in church. And listen, it's important to, to Jesus. He talked about it a lot. I think it should be important to his church and, and what God trusts us with to, to make it grow. So I want to talk today just about investing and, and how we handle our monies. And, and there's really two, two ways to make money. And the first is obvious. The second is not so obvious to, to some. But how can you make money? The first way is people make money. Like they do. Like, and that's typically what we do. You have talents. You have Gifts, you go to work, you work 40, 60 hours a week, whatever it is, and then every week or two, you get a paycheck, and you get paid from your work, people making money. The second way to make money is actually putting your money to work, and that's your money making money, and it's something that people never, ever think about. In fact, it's exactly what happened in this parable. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 16, Jesus essentially said these two guys put their money to work, and their money made money. So he said, the man who received five bags of gold went at once, and what's he do? He says that he said he put his money to work, and he gained five more bags. He put his money to work. When God trusts you with something, you have a choice of what you can do with it. And what you can do is what many people do, and that is that they spend it all. When you spend all you have, then it's gone. On the other hand, you can spend some, you can give some, and perhaps you can invest some, and if you're wise, you might actually multiply what you have, and then you may have more. And God may look at you and say, you know what, you've been faithful with, with a little bit, I'm, I'm going to put some more at your disposal. So tomorrow matters. Like, how do we maximize what we have today to change tomorrow? And listen, I just think when we, we understand this thought that tomorrow really does matter, It'll change what we do with our resources today. So I'm going to talk about investing. And man, some people say, man, I've got no idea how, how to invest. Like, and I remember that. Like, I was in my 20s, and I was like, man, where do you invest? How do you invest? How do you even learn uh, to invest? Um, because they don't teach this stuff in high school. You can get a college degree, in fact, most college degrees, um, and they'll never, never talk about this whatsoever. 
You get in out, out of school and you're trying to do life and you're just trying to pay your bills. How in the world are we supposed to learn how to invest? And I'm gonna state the obvious, and that's this, that I am not a, an investing specialist. Like, I'm not a financial planner. Like, what I am is a preacher. Like, that's, that's what I am. So I'm not gonna tell you how to invest because that would be dangerous and foolish for all of us because I'm not an investing specialist. But what I've been doing, and, and what, what you'll notice over the last four weeks is that I've been telling you to, to attend a Financial Peace University class. And the reason is because Jennifer and I have been through this class a couple of different times. And what happens is that we learn a little more every time. And, and what you learn is you learn to get out of debt. You learn what kind of insurance to buy. You learn how to plan for retirement. You, you really learn some solid principles of, of investing. And it gives you enough to get the ball rolling. And once you get the ball rolling, you start to grow more and, and more. And as a pastor, what I can do is, I'm, I can't tell you how to invest, but I can tell you some biblical principles that are very broad that, that apply to, to, to not only investing financially, but investing with our lives. And that's what I want to do today. I just want to give you three thoughts from Scripture that, that I believe are really important. And the first one for investing is, is number one is this. We need to remember to never invest in things that we don't understand. Like, don't invest in things you don't understand. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4 says this, By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, the rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Like, we want to understand before we invest in anything. Like, I remember back in my 20s, I knew nothing about investing. Jennifer and I were just getting out of debt, um, and I had a friend tell me, man, I've got this, this awesome investment. And so I gave him $1,000, and $1,000 at that point was, was a lot for us. Like, I knew nothing about it. I knew nothing about the stock, nothing about anything. And here's all I know. If I would have bought $1,000 worth of Mountain Dew, I would have more in the aluminum cans than I do right now in that stock. <laughs> like I would. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, if you can't explain it, don't do it. Like, we've seen it, like, on the news just in the last couple of weeks with uh, FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried and, and the cryptocurrency thing. People lost millions and millions of dollars investing in something that they didn't know what it was, that, that they couldn't explain. That's why sometimes some people say that the best investments are the ones that you don't make. Like, and I'll say that again. Like the, the best investments, the ones that save you some, some serious heartache, are the ones that you don't make. By wisdom and understanding, you build things. So therefore, what we want to do is we want to invest. We don't want to invest in things that we don't understand. Second principle, if you're taking notes, is this, is we're going to never put our eggs into one basket. Like, don't, don't put all of your eggs into one basket. Like, I know your grandma said that. Like, the Bible says that, too. Like, grandma's pretty smart. Like, she knew what she was saying in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 2. This is what it says, so to divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. So we're going to spread out our investments over time. We're not putting all of our money into, into the market, all of our money into bonds, all of our money into real estate, all of our money into commodities, or, or whatever it is. What we're going to do is we're just going to put a little bit here, and a little bit here, and a little bit here, and as we get a little bit of experience, we'll get, we'll get better, we'll make some mistakes, but we'll grow, and we'll put a little bit over here, and we're going to be diversified, and we're going to end up 
uh, not getting hurt as bad when one of the industry sectors tends to, to go south. Investing a little bit. Because investing's a little bit uh, like manure for my farmers that are out there. Like, like manure. If you put a bunch of manure in one place, what happens? It stinks. Like it smells bad. But if you spread it out on, on the field, like, come on, you gotta work with me, but if you spread it out on the field, what well, happens? Like it, it actually fertilizes the ground and causes things to grow. If you put too many eggs in one basket, it's like manure, it's gonna stink over time. Like what do we know? Like we're not gonna invest in things we don't understand. Like if we don't understand it, we're, we're not investing in it. Um, and the third principle from the, from the scriptures is this. Um, the Bible teaches don't try to get rich quick. Don't try to get rich quick. It's one of, I think, one of the biggest dangers so, so many of us have. Paul was discipling Timothy, um, and he told him this in 1 Timothy 6, 9. He said, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. What happens? When you get greedy, you're not objective. When you're self-centered and, and, and you wanna just, like, I want it all now, and, and that's where many people are. Like, you don't make wise decisions and you end up falling into a trap. You're really vulnerable to, to the evil one and you're lured off the path of pursuing Christ. We begin to wrongly pursue only, only money and then we get ourselves into really, really big trouble. And here's the problem. And I wanna say especially to men because I think men are, are more vulnerable to this. Like, we tend to be sprinters. Like, our, our identity is, is in that we wanna provide. We wanna give. We, we, we want the hit. Like, and we have to remember um, that, that we're not sprinting investors. Like, we are marathon investors. Like, we're not in this for the quick hit. We're thinking long-term. I mean, this is very spiritual, actually. And in fact, the Bible says this in Proverbs 13, 11, that dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. It's that. You wanna create wealth? You, you wanna be faithful? Let me tell you, like, wealth is not bad. Like, it's not. When, when you do good things with it, like, wealth is, is not bad. And it's really, I think, tragic today that, that in our country, like, people hate wealthy people. Well, like they do. But listen, it's a lot easier to do good in the world when you have something to do good with. Like, it, it is. It's a lot easier to do good in the world when, when you have something to do good with. So here, here's a little formula. Money plus consistency plus time equals wealth. Money plus consistency, plus time equals wealth. If you put a little aside, like we, we invest a little bit consistently over time, even, even a marginal investment, money plus consistency plus time equals wealth. Like we, we don't have to be like rocket scientists. Like some people, there, there's a real simple principle. You, you get 100%, it's 10, 10, 80. What do we do? We're, we're blessed with 100%. We give the first 10 back to God. We put 10% aside to save or to, to invest. And then the other 80%, we live off of, off of ourselves. And money plus consistency plus time equals wealth. 
And I know for some people, you're thinking, man, you're, you're in a season right now where you can't hardly do anything. But I just want to tell you that, that with this formula, with being faithful to the, the scriptural principles that, that are taught, you don't have to be there forever. So if you feel discouraged, like maybe one day you're going to look back and say, that was, that was then. Like when you recognize that, that less is more and that stress is bad and that giving is good and that tomorrow matters and that consistently over time you start doing the right thing, guess what happens? God meets you in your faith and you begin to build wealth. Little by little you start doing better. Little by little you start learning. Little by little you pay something off. Little by little, you, you become even more generous. And then you make your, your first investment and you're putting things aside for, for retirement. And years go by and, and what happens is you look back and you think, man, I'm, I'm glad I'm not there anymore. And I don't want this sermon to just be about finances because it's about every area of our life, Really? When we're faithful to what the Bible teaches, what happens is little by little we see change in becoming the person that God wants us to be, the person that God created us to be. You know, we've been talking about investing really in our, in our staff meeting, um, but not, not investing financially. We've been talking about investing in our, in our ministry partners and investing in uh, in, in other churches even, and how can we help other churches to, to influence the kingdom of God? And, and here's what we know, is that little by little, God's going to continue to raise up leaders in, in, in the next generation that's going to have an impact for his kingdom. You know, one of the things that, that Jesus said, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not come against it. And, and what I know is that I look at, at this next generation and, and even this current generation is that God has some amazing things planned for us in the future. God has some amazing things for us to do uh, with, in, in the kingdom. And, and I'm excited about that, but here's what I also know is that it's done little by little, consistently being obedient to what God has taught us and what God is teaching us in, in the future. And God's going to say, like, you've been faithful with very little. I'm going to bless you with more. And, you know, as I, as I look around at, at some of the other churches, and I'm not putting any of them down. Don't get me wrong, because it, it, it breaks my heart. Um, but, but I see, and it's statistically, the, the numbers are there to prove it. The, the church is shrinking. Like, people are leaving the, the church, especially the denominational churches, in, in amazing rates. And one of the reasons I think that is is because we haven't been faithful with what God's given us. And I'm not talking financially. I'm talking about this gift of, of Christ that he's given us. I'm talking about being obedient to, to the great commission that, that Jesus gave us to go reach the whole world. For so many of us, we, we want now we, we want to come to, to, to church on Sunday morning, and we, we want to be fed. We want to be, 
We, we want to be poured into. We, we want our lives to, to focus around us. And we want Sunday morning to be all about us and to hell with the rest of the world. And, and I think because of that, like, I think that's why we're seeing so many churches just dwindling in size because they've lost the focus that tomorrow matters for eternity for, for so many people that we look uh, in, in the eyes of every, every day. Tomorrow matters for, for eternity for them. But so many churches have lost the focus. They've lost this, this desire to do what Jesus has called them to do and to go into all of the world and make disciples of, uh, of every nation. And so when we go in the world and, and we look at people and we don't see that, hey, like they're either lost or they're found, and if they're lost, we need to do something about it. And so many churches have said, you know what, it's got to be about me and it's got to be about us, that, that we're not going to worry about tomorrow, we're not going to worry about change, we're not going to worry about investing in the future, because you know what, it's only about me and it's about what I can get today. When, when we need to be focused on what, what can God do in the future? Because listen, there is no one that's so far gone that cannot be reached with the good news of Jesus Christ. And as a church, that's what we've got to be focused on because tomorrow matters for eternity for so many people. You know, I was thinking about that this week and um, I had the, the opportunity to, to speak at two funerals uh, this week and, and to, to share the good news of eternity with uh, some families that, that were hurting and struggling. And, and I've realized that, that tomorrow does matter because we're not promised tomorrow. That the book of James says that, that our lives are, are like a mist. They're, they're here today and, and gone tomorrow. And then what happens is we step into eternity. And it's either a place of, of eternal joy or it's a place of eternal torment. And, and as a church, I said, I, I don't mind preaching about money because I think that it, it changes things. It changes our lives. But the most important thing, the most important resource as, as a church that we've been given is this good news that, that Jesus Christ can save anyone that he can make a difference in their life. And as a church, what we're gonna do is, is faithfully, like over time, like we're gonna be consistent with obeying the, the word that God has given us. You know, this week coming up, I'm gonna, gonna travel to Cincinnati and, and I'm gonna speak at a funeral probably uh, for, for my uncle. Um, he's, he's passing away and, and I didn't know him uh, real well. He was... Uh, my aunt's husband, and, uh, and I know his kids well, and, and I know all of that, and I don't, uh, I don't know his church background, I don't know any of those things. But I'm excited about it, and because I'm gonna get to do, I think, one of the, the most difficult things uh, for any of us to do, is I'm gonna get to share the gospel with, with my family that's there, and and I'm excited about that, to be able to, to, to preach the good news of Jesus with a family that, that's hurting, with, with a family that's, that, that's struggling, but really with a family that's mine. Because I know there are so many of them that need to hear the good news of Jesus. I know there are so many of them that are lost without hope in this world. But to know that Jesus can save them 
He is amazing. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. And I just want to share that hope with you that no matter where you've been, no, no, no matter what you've done, and, and maybe it's, maybe the sin debt in your life has been piled up so, so deep that you don't think you'll ever get out of it. Here's what I want to tell you today is it's not up to you. What you need to do is take that, that first step of accepting the, the payment that God made for you by sending Jesus Christ to die for you. That he took all of your sins, every one of them, and he, and he nailed them on the cross with him. His body was broken, his blood was poured out so that you could be forgiven. And I know for some that's too, that sounds too good to be true. But it's the only way. You'll never earn it. You'll, you'll never work hard enough for it. The only way is to accept it. And this morning you have that opportunity. Father God, today, so thankful for the love that you have for us, that you would send your one and only son to, to die for us. That through him we have peace. Not only peace of mind, God, but peace with you. And Lord, I, I know there are so many different things going on in our minds that we're talking about finance, we're talking about sin, we're talking about, but these are principles that apply to every area of our life. If I, when we take you at your word and we put it into consistent practice over time, it builds wealth. Wealth of, of finances, wealth of friendships, wealth of, of our relationship with you. Father, I pray you would bless us today. In the name of Jesus who died for us, I pray.